Welcome to the Polymer Science Podcast. I am Dr. Alicia Bletis. And I'm Jacob Shackman. In this podcast, we'll be speaking to researchers from around the world and talk to them about how their work is improving our daily lives. I hope you enjoy our conversation and that you learn something new. Hello everyone, today we are talking to Gregory Parisi. He is a PhD student at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute and worked at the AGH UST Faculty of Metals Engineering and Industrial Computer Science with a previous guest on our show, Ursula Stachowicz. He also won an award for the second best poster at the ESEE conference this year in 2023. His topic was called Photoresponsive Electrospun Fiber Meshes with switchable wettability for effective water harvesting in variable humidity conditions. So we'll be speaking more about that topic specifically, with the focus being on electrospinning and also the type of materials that he was using for the fog water collections. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a nice time listening to this episode. Please let us know what you think and you can also share this if you enjoyed it. Welcome to the Polymer Science Podcast, Gregory Parisi. It's so great to have you on this episode. Um, you are uh, working as a student currently. You even had an award recently won for second best poster at a conference. Um, I just want to get more into what you're currently doing. And if you can just introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a bit more about yourself, that would be great. Yeah, certainly. It'd be my pleasure. Um, thanks for inviting me to speak on this podcast. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a PhD candidate. I'm actually a candidate in mechanical engineering at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in Troy, New York. Um, I've been conducting research in the field of mechanical engineering, specifically on interfacial phenomena and switchable surfaces. I'm sure we'll get into that more because that's kind of what the research I'm doing now is about. Um but currently, I'm a Fulbright Fellowship in Krakow, Poland, so I'm not in New York. I haven't been there since uh, last October, and I'm working in the Electrospun Fibers Group under the mentorship of Professor Ula Stachowicz, um, and I'm mostly studying uh, fog water harvesting here in Poland. Awesome. Well, congratulations, just firstly, on winning that second prize for the poster. This was at the Sixth European Symposium on Electrohydrodynamic Atomization and Electrospinning um, this year, the uh, conference. Um, just tell me briefly, how was that experience for you? Yeah, sure. And yeah, I know a lot of these conferences have really long names that are <laughs> definitely a mouthful. But uh, E S E E or what is it called? Yeah, exactly. You need the acronym to get through it. But uh, yeah, it was an honor to win the prize. And to be honest, it was just a lot of fun um, presenting and showcasing the research I was working on. Um, the symposium in general was a fantastic experience. It was my first international conference. So I got you know, hands-on experience with that. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to engage with researchers from all over the globe and to be able to exchange ideas, learn about groundbreaking studies on topics that I'm not completely familiar with since my background is actually mechanical engineering, not um, electrospinning and polymer science. Okay. But so I was able to learn a lot and engage with a lot of uh, wonderful people 
and also was in Krakow, which is a city I've really grown to love. It's a great place and it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so the poster that you uh, got the award for was called Photoresponsive Electrospun PVDF uh, Titanium Oxide Fibers and Meshes with Switchable Wettability for Fog Water Harvesting. Also a mouthful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but for the listeners that maybe do not know, uh, could you just tell us a bit more about the material that you work with, the PVDF Titanium Oxide and how it was prepared and basically yes. what you were doing with it? Sure. Um, so PVDF is a polymer poly polyvinylidene fluoride, and I incorporated titanium dioxide nanoparticles into these fibers. These fibers were prepared with an electrospinning process. Um, basically, I got very, very small fibers of PVDF where it was in, had TIA2 nanoparticles embedded all throughout the fibers. Um, yeah, that's that's basically the only awesome. polymer that was used in this setup. Great. Um, so when you like selecting the material, what is the criteria that you usually look for, especially with the regards to this um, application that the material was being used for? Right. So the most important and like a necessary selection for the polymer, it needs to be able to form a solution or a melt of some sort mm -hmm. um, to produce consistent or uniform nanofibers. So with that, that the electrospinning process wouldn't be able to start at all. Um, so in order for these solutions to be made, they need to be soluble in some sort of solvent or water-based system. So looking past these two important deciding factors, um, I would say the most sort out properties of materials need to be that they, the polymers need to possess strong mechanical strength. And in other fields, they might possibly need to be biocompatible or thermally stable, mm. biodegradable. Um, but you kind of pick and choose what you want depending on the application. So for the application of fog water capture or fog water harvesting, I want a material that's mechanically strong and has the appropriate chemical uh, surface chemistry that I'm looking for to capture water and release it quickly. Awesome. Yeah, so that is actually, um, we can actually get into, I want to, you to talk a bit more about the fog water harvesting as well. Uh, but before we mention that, you actually mentioned it very quickly in the beginning of the, the episode that you were working under um, Ursula Sachevich. Um, are you, is this currently a project that you're still doing with her or are you uh, done with the collaboration that you were doing in, in Poland, Poland with her? Yeah, the collaboration's still um, ongoing. Okay. We've actually started a second project, so a little bit different than the PVDFTIO2 project, but we're continuing on with water harvesting and I'm, I'm working with her and her group, which has been an amazing experience. Awesome. It's been the best thing about the Fulbright experience is the group That's that I decided great. to join. That's great to know. Did you know that she was also a guest on this podcast? <laughs> um, I did. Yes, I've okay. listened. I've listened to that episode as well. So that's great. Yeah. So um, that was also a, a topic that we spoke about. But I think it's always great to just maybe get into it in a bit more detail. Um, especially like, could you just explain like the electrospinning process um, before we get into a bit more of the technicalities of it? So in case the listeners that do not know exactly what electrospinning is, just they can be also part of the understanding of how it works and 
what the mechanism is surrounding electrospinning itself. Yeah, sure. I could definitely try my best to explain electrospinning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's basically a method that produces fibers using electrical forces. So um, using these high uh, electrical forces, it stretches charged polymer solution out from a source in most cases. And in the case that I was using, it stretches the polymer solution out of a needle. Mm -hmm. So as the electrical field strength increases, this polymer jet, um, it's formed and the jet itself undergoes elongation until it gets drawn and um, kind of placed onto a collector. So it's yeah. during this process that the solvent in the solution evaporates and all you have left is fibrous polymer. Awesome. Yes, that's 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 usually why um, the the importance of the parameters selecting the material is also quite crucial. Otherwise, like you mentioned, you won't be able to get that cone effect, and then the the electrostatic part part of it as well. You know, the conductive part of the solution needs to be there as well. Um, yes, exactly. So when you went ahead and se selected the material that you were working on for the fog water collector, was uh, there other uh, parameters that you needed to take into account or was it just the durability? Um, was there any consideration for the um, the consumable, the, the recyclability of it as well or uh, reusability or anything like that with regards to cost efficiency, anything like that as well? Or... Uh, yes, that definitely had a large play in it because since I'm doing water harvesting, this would be, you know, in real application, it would be used outdoors. So I'd want something to be reusable, mm. mechanically strong and durable because it needs to be used 24 hours a day, day in, day out, as yes. long as it possibly could. So, um, yeah, some of the parameters and the processes that I had to set up was, as we already spoke about, the solution preparation concentrations. But also in my case, um, a big factor was the concentration of the titanium dioxide particles. Oh, yes. Um, so I wanted to incorporate as much as possible without compromising the fiber morphology or, you know, compromising a homogeneous fiber structure. Oh, that's true. So uh, what role did the titanium dioxide play in um, the efficiency of the, of the whole product as a whole? So the... The point of the titanium dioxide was to incorporate a particle that could switch the wettability of the surface. Mm -hmm. um, so the more titanium dioxide that was on the surface of these fibers, the quicker that the switch could happen. Um, okay. the, is the issue is when I started incorporating too much TiO2 into <clears throat> the polymer solution, then problems would arise in the electrospinning process itself. Either agglomerations would form or mm. there would be clogging issues. Um, so there was like a careful balance that needed to be met in order to get a lot of TiO2 and also for the electrospinning process to be yeah, complete. Yeah, to actually work. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's usually the biggest problem. So if you try to like incorporate too much of a part, certain particle, then is either agglomeration or just electrospray no more uh, fiber <laughs> right yeah and yeah. you could even go further than that and not have fibers or spray and just have uh 
a mess on <laughs> a the congealed mess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. So um, you've mentioned now the switchable wittability, that term. Just in case there's anyone that doesn't understand quite exactly what switchable wittability means. Um, can you break that down for me a bit more and explain what exactly you mean by if you say switchable wittability of a fiber or of a fog water collector? Yeah, sure. So this is actually like what I was studying for majority of my PhD before um, focusing on fog water collection in Krakow. But uh, I guess I should start with what wettability is. Um, and yes. it's really just the <laughs> liquid interaction of fluids and solids defined by this contact angle, um, which is the contact point between the liquid vapor interface and where it meets the solid liquid interface. So you could have two extreme cases. Um, you have the extreme wetting case, which I like to think of a droplet touching a paper towel where it completely wets the paper towel mm -hmm. and you would have a contact angle of zero, or you would have the complete non-wetting surface, something like adding a droplet to a Teflon non-sticking uh, cooking pan. So mm -hmm. um, to have a switchable wettable wettability surface, you would need to, it's basically a surface transition between these two extreme wetting states that I just mentioned. And okay. in a theoretically perfect situation, you would want to switch between a spherical droplet and a droplet that completely wets. Okay. Um, and of course, there's tons of different ways to switch it and um, different mm. external stimulus that could be added to That's get different effects. Um, so this switchability is quite crucial when you're working at uh, areas or environments or even climates that have a variable humidity like the conditions are not always the same so is this is this what this uh that property is uh, for right the characteristic of the mesh needs to be switchable because it needs to be adaptable exactly and actually some external stimulus to get a switching property is these external environmental factors. They're called passive switching, like you mentioned okay. humidity or temperature. So without any um, external interaction, you can get this natural switching phenomena on a surface just by this um, external stimulus. So in my case, yeah, I chose PVDF because it's very hydrophobic. Okay. And incorporating the TiO2, we could switch the TiO2 nanoparticles to hydrophilic. So mm. you're getting this switch from a hydrophobic surface to a hydrophilic surface. I see. Is there, what is the external um, stimulus that you're talking about? In, in my case, it's UV light. So titanium oh, okay. dioxide, it's a photocatalyst and it goes through something known as photo-induced hydrophilicity. So when it it's exposed to UV irradiation. It creates these surface oxygen vacancies. And the entire surface would then be populated with hydroxyl groups, which are very polar and attract mm. water. And so now you don't, the water droplets no longer see the nonpolar PVDF. They see this very polar hydrophilic TIC okay. surface. And then when you switch it back, how does that happen? Yeah, so switching back, that... That's always like a crucial but very difficult part to achieve. And it's not always possible depending okay. on the surface and the properties. But in my case, it is possible. And I knew that before choosing TiO2 because it does have this effect. But when the TiO2 is completely dehydrated, it um, removes all these 
hydroxyl groups. So oh, basically course. when it gets warm enough and the water evaporates, it goes back to the hydrophobic state. Um, so in principle, UV light and heat are both things that you could find just keeping this mat or this mesh outdoors for external switching or possibly dynamically switching it on demand. That's needed. amazing. That's awesome. Wow. Um, so have you tested this out in like the field? No, unfortunately not. And yeah, like as I mentioned, I've only been working on electrospinning, fog water harvesting since I've been in Poland, which okay. has been since October and yeah, although so like the fresh <laughs> right and yeah I wish I had more time but my fellowship's coming to an end so oh. um, it was not enough time to do field research but I would love to because some of the areas that have these high fog conditions and arid regions are definitely places I'd love to visit <laughs> yes like I was only thinking like in Africa and like where there's like a lack of water or fresh water I mean, that would be such a great feature because it's like almost like a waste of water. You know, the water that's running down the side of the house <laughs> can actually be collected in some ways. So that's actually now very interesting to see. Um, yeah, and I think uh, this is like a lot of these ideas come exactly from that. Because, um, uh, yeah, in Southern Africa, there's the Namib Desert Beetle, which is mm -hmm. like condenses the water on its shell and oh, is yes. able to kind of direct water into its mouth or how it drinks the water that's um, so interesting and that's almost like um so you're taking some inspiration from the from the na nature as well <laughs> yeah, of, yeah of course it's not me that took the inspiration this is a, an old concept called biomimicry where yes. researchers copy insects or even like the redwoods in california this is probably more relatable to my application because they have these needle-like leaves and branches that can catch fog in the air and it runs the water down to the roots. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's actually like um, that biomimicking term keeps uh, popping up every time I do polymer science research. Um, it's like almost like a nice way of, of reminding us not to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> exactly. It's already just, been done. Nature it, is good at it. <laughs> right. It's the best at it. So just copy that. <laughs> exactly. So um, in terms of other types of, if, if there's like other types of material being used for fog water collector, uh, fog water collecting, how does this compare to those? Do you know? Generally, yes. Like, so... I mentioned I didn't do any field um, studies yes, on my mesh, physical. so it's tough to compare lab to lab kind of uh, results. And um, of course, fog water harvesting, it's not a new technology. Mm. This has been something that's been done for centuries in parts of the world like Peru and uh, like these foggy, arid environments um, or cloud forests. So um, the idea is not new, but just inventing ways to improve the efficiency and to use it in areas that don't get as much fog as I think areas that could be improved. That's true. Um, but even in applications today, you can, and depending on environmental conditions, you get meshes that collect maybe on the low two, three, four liters per day mm. to several hundred liters per day. And with several hundred liters per day, we're talking about, you know, huge dozens of meters long and high meshes or towers um there's yeah. i've seen like more um original constructions and fancier constructions of these meshes that can collect 
several hundred liters per day. Yeah, um, but wow. I, I, of course, was using it on the lab scale, so using it in centimeters size, so converting it or assuming that it could be converted to meters squared, we're talking maybe like two to 10 liters per hour per meter squared. Yes, um, wow. So it's still an appreciable <laughs> amount. Um, but yeah, that is. This is in a controlled environment. That's <laughs> not true, in the, yeah. Not in the field. That is usually, yeah, that's, that's also the, always the most frustrating thing is like having to upscale something. So it works here, but does it like, you know, can you expand it and turn it into something massive or reproduce it in like outer exterior um, situation? But right. And that's where course, the selection of the materials and everything is crucial. You, like you focused on that part. So, yeah, especially in this field, because most of the areas that need this type of sustainable water source are in more poor areas of the world mm. that a lot of funding is not going to be used to make these very expensive meshes. And um, so, yeah, it's pretty important as well to minimize costs and also improve the way that the meshes could be taken care of because you don't want to spend oh, yes. thousands of dollars to maintain something that doesn't really cost much. That's true. That is that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, if you're testing the fog water collector, do you place it into like a, a humidifier control, a humidifier type of chamber? Or how do you test these um, materials? Yeah, we, we have them in a controlled environment, pretty much just a large uh, acrylic um, box that has okay. controlled temperature. And we have a... And a stream path of fog that flows from outside of the chamber inside the chamber through the through the electrospun mesh um, okay. and we have a gutter system under the mesh that then collects the water runs it back outside of the acrylic chamber and onto a balance where we can actually do uh, the measurements and so measurement by mass exactly instead okay. of volume that's and amazing. so none of that is affected by the conditions within the chamber and and conditions like temperature and more importantly, humidity. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I think um, in terms of the, the only complications that, I, but you maybe have an answer for this, but in, in terms of complications that I've seen, if you kind of collect the water um, in a hot, humid environment, and you, you're trying to like store that water, but the water maybe evaporates as fast as it's collecting sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that definitely could be an issue in hot environments. Yes. I think it would be even worse if it was a non-human environment and hot. Oh, yes. Um, but I just want to quickly talk about some more of the, the your current work and if there's anything that you're currently uh, uh, going into more and focusing on your with your research. Um, can you just share us a bit more about your upcoming projects or any interesting events or something that you're currently passionate about that you can share with the listeners? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, in terms of research, um, we're trying to change actually the geometry of these electrospun fibers. So there's other research out there that have used mostly steel um, harps essentially to collect water out of a fog stream and the point of that is that you don't have any of the droplets being impeded by horizontal fibers so in theory if we have all the fibers going a single direction the water droplets should drop down quicker so 
in this new project, we're still using PVDF, but are making yarns out of it. And from these mm -hmm. yarns, we're harping them onto a collection device that could um, if it more efficiently collect this water. So that's one of the projects. And I'm hoping to finish that within the, the next month or so, because that's when uh, I go back to New York. And yeah, my last project would be trying to uh, write my dissertation and finish up my PhD in the next oh, nice. year. So that'll that'll be much. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of sad to be leaving Poland because it's a great country, but also excited to move back to New York. I actually recently got married right before coming to Poland. Ooh, so <laughs> thank you. So, I, you know, I'd love to go back to New York and actually be with my wife. Yes, for sure. <laughs> oh, well, congratulations with that. No, it Thank sounds you so like um, you have a lot on your plate, but it's all good things and exciting things. So really um, good, like good luck with the rest of your endeavors and the projects that you, um, you know, uh, grab. I hope that they'll be successful and yeah, congratulations on being married <laughs> and, <laughs> and also finishing up the thesis and getting that PhD. It's going to be an exciting path ahead for you, I'm sure. Yeah, exciting, busy, but it's <laughs> it's all very good stuff. And um, yeah, yeah, I, and I'm research thrilled. just in general, the type of field you are in feels like it's never ending. Uh, water research and environmental, like just trying to like improve the the the, the people's daily lives by getting them to have a better water supply, and all those types of projects that kind of gives back to the people. I feel like that's always something that you can be passionate about and stay passionate about and uh, grow with the technology. And it's just nice. Uh, I think you're in a really good field for developing um, with the polymer science part of it. So it's awesome. Yes, I agree. And it's easy to be passionate about it when it's such an important issue. Like all, all the time I just read about, you know, this global issue of, sustainable water and how there's like projections of water not being enough for the growing population and everything like <laughs> yeah. that so it, i think it's an important topic and um, finding new ways like electro spinning to capture water yes. in areas that are not close to maybe water is uh important that's true no that's really amazing i i find this topic very fascinating um and like it's inspiring because yeah once again it's it's like polymers are being utilized for um uh, things that we kind of underestimate so it's awesome to hear how you and your project has been progressing and adding to this field so thank you very much is there thank, anything thank else that you would like to share um with the listeners maybe you know where they can find you on social media or if they want to read more about fog water um collectors anything like that you're welcome to share any links with me and I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. I I'll, I could share the link to the Electrospun Fibers group, as I mentioned with Professor Ula Stafovich. That would um, be great. They could find a lot of research that the group has done well before me on water harvesting. Awesome. I'll do that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Gregory, for the time and um, just chatting to me about this awesome project. Uh, it was really great to talk to you. Yeah, it was really great to talk to you as well. 